Oh, son of a nutcracker. Tyler, what happened? I just spilled my Dr. Pepper all over my hoodie. That's a shock. It's ruined. Oh, man. Well, you know what? I know where you can get an even sweeter hoodie. You do? You need to visit dadsmeatworld.threadless.com. You can get pullovers, zip-ups, sweatshirts, even long-sleeve t-shirts with our logo and even our faces on it. Wow, that's awesome. So I can just get shirts and that's alone and hoodies, right? That's it? Oh, no. There's stickers, there's magnets, there's phone cases, mugs, and more. What? Oh, yeah. How don't I know about this? Well, you were a little busy eating, so I didn't want to bother you earlier, but it's Dad's Meat World dot threadless dot com. I need to go there right now. Here's your chance to try a little harder. Welcome to another episode of Dads Meet World, a Boy Meets World retrospective podcast where two dads sit down, try to figure out what is this world and what are we doing here? I am one of those dads. I am Tyler. And I'm the other dad. I'm Brett. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, Brett's holding up some mustard to me. I'm not sure what he means by that, but... uh, I mean nothing French. by that. <laughs> it just happened to be on my desk. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, Brett, how are you doing? Oh, clearly I'm not doing <laughs> normally. <laughs> I'm doing all right. Um, uh, I'm enjoying life. Uh, nothing a lot. My fantasy team is not doing well, um, at least mm. in one league. 0 and 3 officially. And, oh, that uh, stinks. Three and zero in another league, so but not the one that matters. <laughs> Ooh, I'll have to check after we're done recording because I should have won. I needed a guy that needs like four points to win, so hopefully mm. I got the four points out of him. If not, I think I'm going to drop him because it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, which guy was that? That would be Ezekiel Elliott. Well, he did score a touchdown, so did he? He well, did. Hopefully, that means I won. <laughs> You so can't how- trust the Cowboys <laughs> at this point. No, you really can't. So how are you doing other than uh, fantasy football, Tyler? I'm doing pretty good. I'll go ahead and talk about this real quick. Uh, just want to say that as of recording this past weekend, my baby sister got married. And so she is no longer a Volk, which makes me sad. But I like her fiancé, so we're now husband, so that makes me happy. It's a beautiful ceremony, and everybody cried. Yes, cheers, thank you. It's just, it's it's one of those days that you're, you're just never going to forget. Uh, mm-hmm. At least I hope I never do. Like, just everyone was on good behavior. My son looked adorable. My wife looked so beautiful. Uh, there's actually a moment where, because we were, we were getting, she was getting married in a field, and so we, we had like a little uh, tent set up um, so that way bride can be in a zone and her people could be around her and so my son who's the ring monkey not ring bear ring monkey was talking to my wife and he turned and he goes I need to find my mom <laughs> and my wife <laughs> literally looked at him and goes yeah I'm right here <laughs> But, you know, she has her hair done all fancy. She has <laughs> makeup on. 
you know, she barely ever has much makeup on. So like, and she didn't have her glasses on. So in fairness to him, there was a point where I even went, wait, where's my wife? And she was literally right in front of me. So <laughs> uh, luckily her, her back was turned to me, but all of the girls' hairs were like really similar. So mm-hmm. it was hard to fully distinguish, you know, but <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> All right. My wife is just too beautiful to recognize, apparently. <laughs> well, that sounds like an adventure. Yes. Uh, it was a whole it was a whole thing. Uh, we don't have time to get into all of it because we have a very special episode to talk about today. We do indeed. We have the 11th episode of season one of Boy Meets <gasps> World, The Father-Son Game. I should have said this last episode, but I didn't. But we're in the officially the double digits, man. We are. We are. We are actually, as with the completion of this episode, we are officially halfway through season one. Woohoo! So, the synopsis for this story: When Corey and Eric find out that Alan has lied about the father-son softball game being canceled because he knows they don't want to attend, they make amends. Now, this episode was written by Bill Lawrence, directed by David Trainer, originally aired December 17th, 1993, and has uh, currently an IMDb rating of 7.5. Now, before we go any further, I want to bring a little attention back around to the writing credit, because Bill Lawrence is kind of a big deal. Uh-huh. In the words of Ron Burgundy, he's kind of a big deal. This is his second writing credit in Hollywood. He went on to write two episodes for The Nanny, one for Friends, uh, the one with the candy hearts that's Valentine's Day episode where Joey sets up Chandler with Janice on a blind date, and Ross and his date wind up <laughs> at the same restaurant as his ex, and the girls nearly burned down the apartment. He then uh-huh. went on to write, produce, and serve as showrunner for big hits such as Spin City, Whiskey Cavalier, Cougar Town, Scrubs, and currently Ted Lasso. So this oh. is pretty much where Bill got his start in Hollywood, was writing this episode. Very nice. Yes. Hey, uh, according to some people in community, Cougar Town is the perfect TV show. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just finished watching the first two seasons of Ted Lasso last week. Really? Was it good? Oh, very good. Some great stuff in it. So consider this my official plug. Hashtag not a sponsor. Go watch yourself some Ted Lasso. Not yet. <laughs> Hashtag not yet a sponsor. Yes. Hashtag not yet a sponsor. Go watch yourself some Ted Lasso. <laughs> but back so, to Boy Meets uh, World. <laughs> shall, we, shall we get into the episode? I think we shall. Take it away, Tyler. Yeah, all right. So we start off with Amy walking down uh, the stairs. And she definitely has her PJs on, so it's probably early morning. And we see Morgan sitting at the breakfast table, already eating breakfast. And, uh, you know, Amy tries to say, hey, you know, good morning. And <laughs> immediately you realize that... Uh, I've been up since 6 o'clock. Yes, you realize that Morgan is high on some sugar. I've been up since 6 o'clock. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. That bowl looks like it's all the marshmallows. Yes. So you got to wonder how long this five-year-old six-year-old was just going through the bowls and figuring out you know getting out everything but either way mm. Corey then shortly comes down and says fridays i love fridays i do have this little exchange here i thought it was great oh good friday i love friday soon i'm gonna be home for the whole weekend friday i hate friday soon you're gonna be home for the whole weekend oh you love me oh you wish Amy Matthews is the young sung hero of this show. She really is. Like, she truly just 
she just has a good relationship with all of her children. She does. And it always shows, and there's always this playfulness to them, but there's always this sweetness to them as well. Mm-hmm. She can drop that that sarcastic, you wish, on Corey, but he knows she still loves him even behind it all. Uh-huh. So then we have Eric uh, rolling into the kitchen now, and we get the first hit that, uh, you know, he likes the weather. I thought his weather report was great. I didn't clip it, but his weather report was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just go ahead and read it because I have it in front of me. Uh, let me give you a weekend weather update. Whether or not I have a date with Cindy this weekend. Depends on how, how uh, partially cool I am in school today. There is a definite Vicky front moving in this Saturday, and temperatures are expected to rise. Cooling off by, I don't know, I don't have the number there, but then uh, when you're expected to be, oh, probably 10 when you're expected to be home. Mm-hmm. too good but anywho yeah uh eric has interest in two girls right now apparently Mm -hmm. (laughs) dude's just playing that field he has one walking hormone with tennis shoes on yeah i just wish linda had worked out (laughs) oh linda 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 and you know why we wish linda worked i like her yeah (laughs) but basically Amy's trying to say, don't mess with me. Be home when you're supposed to be home. Don't mess with Mother Nature. <laughs> yes. And then Corey's complaining because he's not finding any of the sugary parts to the cereal. And mm-hmm. thus, uh, they go to Morgan. And then Morgan keeps repeating. I'm feeling very perky. <laughs> yes. But before then, she says. I've been up since six o'clock. <laughs> yes. Thank you. And then she says. I'm feeling very perky. Yes. <laughs> I've been up since six o'clock. I'm feeling very perky. And then Amy tries to, you know, uh, uh, help her upstairs because she knows that she's going to crash at some point. Oh, man. And breakfast is not even over for the rest of the household. Yes. But as well as it's how come, how come, how come, how come, how come. Come, 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 come. That's too good. Well, then dad kind of comes in and, and drops some information that the boys weren't ready to find out. Mm. Apparently this weekend, a.k.a. tomorrow, uh, is the uh, annual uh, father-son game. Can you believe it? Now, Brett, uh, just real quick, uh, we'll get into my deep dive on who Brooks Robinson is in just a second. But, uh, you know, as a father... And now that you have uh, some teenagers in the house, <laughs> if you know you have a plan, you you have something you want from them, how many times do you tell them ahead of time, hey, don't plan anything with your friends? Oh, multiple times. And we actually have been utilizing an app that allows us to share multiple calendars. So both of my teenagers can look at their phone with the app and see exactly what's going on on everybody's calendars. So there is no excuse to be surprised by the event Mm -hmm. coming up. So if one of your teenagers go, I didn't know that Tyler and Sarah were coming up, you can say lie (laughs) in the calendar. Oh, yes. We say that very frequently to our middle child. (laughs) (laughs) Why wasn't I told this? You were. (laughs) Many times. (laughs) 
Yes, he's 13. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, I just, I couldn't help but think about, let's just go with the interactions I've had with my father over the years. And of when there's something that he knows that he wants to schedule time, he makes it very clear. Hey, this is the date something's happening. <laughs> And don't try to do anything on that time period. And this seems to be a, an annual tradition for them that up to this year, they've been excited to be a part of. So, uh, you know, even right. though Eric clearly has discovered girls this year, I, I would say it's safe to assume that up to this year that both boys have still been excited to be a part of. So this is probably the first year that Eric's had any pushback for involvement. Or Eric, Alan's had any pushback for involvement. You have Alan Matthews pulling a glove out of the stove because apparently he has been baking his glove. I, I found his his whole process for breaking this glove in unique. So uh, I, I did uh, clip that. Oh, good. Well, most people don't have a glove that they broke in 25 years ago, Eric. See, now with this baby, you baste it with glovolium and you bake it in a slow oven till the web's ready to snap shut on any line drive that comes near third base tomorrow. I've never baked my glove. No. I, I have put a ball in there and cinched it shut around the ball. I've even mm -hmm. thrown it under the mattress, like Eric suggests, but... I've never had a glove so old that I needed to baste it in a conditioning liquid and bake it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I for T-ball this year, I used my father's old glove because it's, it's larger than the one I that than my glove. And I couldn't find mine at first. And so I just I kept hitting it and hitting it and making sure I didn't hit a certain spot because, you know, part of it's kind of tearing. But I don't <laughs> think, you know. Unless he's only using the glove one time a year over the last, like, 20 years or so, like, I guess it could make sense that he wants to get it, you know, fresh and firm and, you know, mm -hmm. ready to use. Oh, and yeah. I mean, I, I don't <laughs> doubt that he's probably only pulling this out a couple times a year at most. Though, yeah. to be fair, so I, if Corey is as active in Little League as we're led to believe, he probably is taking the glove out every weekend and at least throwing catch with him but you gotta wonder is he actually going out and throwing the ball with his dad or is he making up an excuse to not actually go play catch because well, by you this know, point he probably <laughs> he probably is making an excuse by this point yeah <laughs> so anywho i just want to read this quote to you i found online about baking a glove so this is what it says <laughs> uh Glove gurus, some more guru than others, recommend treating a stiff new glove as either their best friend or as or roadkill. You can drown a glove, you can bake it, you can run it over with your car. Breaking in a glove isn't science so much as a form of testosterone-fueled witchcraft. <laughs> And yet Alan chooses to throw it in the oven, which is traditionally not viewed as very masculine in 1993. Yeah, but um, <laughs> the uh, glavolium, I mm -hmm. did, I was reading through an article talking about breaking your glove and specifically with Brooks Robinson, and they do mention that. So glavolium can, is an actual product or is this... Yeah. I thought yeah. I wondered if it was just a made-up product name or nope. if this was it's, an actual it's, thing. It's something you can use to to to. I think it's a it's one of those things you put on it and then you have to wipe it off. Mm 
but it has to like sit in it. So he probably instead of like because it's supposed to be like you're supposed to sit, it's supposed to sit for a few days on it. So he probably throws it in the the um uh, sorry in the oven to make it like that and be ready mm. to go. I wonder what the the house smelled like with slow cooking. I couldn't leather. imagine it smells good. <laughs> That's probably why Morgan was awake because he probably started at six o'clock. <laughs> slow cooking leather in the house. <laughs> So let's talk about Brooks Robinson real quick since he mentioned him. Okay. People, 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 people. Am I the only one who read the summer reading list? So for those of you that don't know, he is a third baseman. He played for the Orioles. He's a Hall of Famer. He was an MVP, two-time World Series champ, a 18-time All-Star, and a 16-time Gold Glove winner. Now, for those that don't know, Gold Glove winners are by position. So every single year, at the end of the year, each league will give out a Gold Glove award to the player they thought played the best at that position defensively. So he's won that 16 times. And actually, his nickname was the Human Vacuum and Mr. Hoover because of just snagging balls from third base. He also played from age 18 until 40. He debuted in 1955 and retired in 1977. It took me a while to figure this out, but there was a special glove made by Rawlings uh, in 1965 called the Brooks Robinson MVP glove, which Based on the age that uh, Alan Matthews is recorded uh, to have, or when he was born, uh, he was born in, in, so at 1965, when this glove was first coming out, he would have been 15. Now, I was thinking about it. I was like, how could he have afforded this at 15? You know, whatever. I don't know what the value was when it came out. But if I'm a guessing man, <laughs> my guess is his mom probably missed a game, knew that this could have been one of his favorite players, and went out and got the glove. Mm -hmm. Because again, we've learned that she's a big go big or go home type parent. And she goes, yep. not home, but you know. <laughs> she just goes big or just doesn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But yeah, it's possible that he could have this glove and that it's in good shape because it's a good glove. A, he probably takes good care of it. Mm -hmm. And thus, he's just, it's one of those things that he's held on to it so preciously. It's probably from his mom, which is why he holds on to it so tightly as a symbol of her love. Yeah, makes sense to yeah. me. That's not a firm thing. That's just a, you know, thought. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, but it makes sense to me. But yeah, can you believe it? Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah, so uh, we Alan walks away and the boys look at each other going, it's that time of the year again is the father-son game. <laughs> Eric, I, I very easily buy not wanting to do this. Corey, I have a little, hard to, a little harder time swallowing that pill because just a couple of episodes ago, Corey wants Mr. to be... Mr. Center Fielder yeah. for the Phillies? What are you talking about? <laughs> and he's, throughout this entire season, he's very close with Alan and he wants to skip out on a, a, a baseball game with him? Very close with baseball. Baseball has been mm -hmm. a driving force of their relationship. I mean, Alan got in trouble and got Corey in trouble because he woke him up to watch a no-hitter. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, oh, wow. the whole, just into this cold open, it it's a very sitcom-esque feel from uh, Mr. Lawrence in this writing debut for uh, Boy Meets World. And it's, uh, I, 
I give it a little bit of of play there, but yeah, just kind of a yeah. I just don't buy Corey as much. But the no, Unicorn Rainbow Bookstore. The Unicorn Rainbow Bookstore. I'm what? feeling that. <laughs> You'll be thrilled to know that the market giant juggernaut is going to steamroll over the Unicorn Rainbow Bookstore. What, that new age place? Yeah. Why don't they just give us the trophy? I mean, these guys are much too zen for baseball. I mean, these are people with inner peace and spiritual tranquility. <laughs> Let's kill him. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will say, I was curious, could a mom and pop bookstore potentially have enough uh, employees to field a team for a father-son <laughs> game? And so I just, just some general looking around, what I discovered is that typically at a store, uh, bookstore, you have three different type of positions. You have the manager, you have a, a retail associate, and a stalker. We could assume that both Topanga's parents are a part of the bookstore in some way, shape, or form. They could be there running it together at the same time and thus needing less employees for a certain time period. Or they could, you know, work opposite shifts some days, yada, yada. It's it's all up to interpretation, you know, how they would run their business. But let's just say, mm -hmm. for kicks and giggles, they have one assistant manager, someone that's there that helps them to do stuff, you know, make sure that the store doesn't burn down. <laughs> and then let's just assume that maybe they have three sales associates, maybe two that are there, or like at least one that's there whenever they're there, and maybe two that are there that whenever they're not there or vice versa, you know. And then maybe they have like three stock people. Again, you know, at least one person's always kind of there. And then, you know, they have a kind of a rotating schedule forever they want to do it. I mean, most stalkers are going to be like more high school type people. Who Who's to say, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, depending upon ages, there's a <laughs> chance they could at least feel partially a team. I'm saying. The, the employees. And thus, if they all have some kid for whatever age, it's a father-son game, but Topanga plays. So clearly they're fine mm -hmm. with girls playing. So it's possible. It's possible. Yeah, I can I can buy them having enough to field a, a team. Well, first I wasn't convinced, and then I was looking into it. I'm like, you know what? Sure. Let's just say so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get into the theme song, which, again, we're not going to talk about because we're over it. Um, <laughs> and we go to the school. <laughs> I hate it. I'm feeling very perky. Can't wait for the season to be over. Uh, <laughs> But anywho, uh, it's just a theme song. I can't stand the theme song. First season theme song. I love the show theme song. I can't stand. Anywho, um, we get to the school where they're saying the Pledge of Allegiance, which uh, Feeney comments. It goes, ah, oh, Miss Lawrence, I see you're not participating in the pledge. And Corey mistakenly says, great, Feeney's going to get her. What was that, Mr. Matthews? Uh, I said, this is going to be cool, Mr. Feeney. Why? Because you're finally going to nail Topanga for being weird. <laughs> Do you think it's weird to engage in social protest? I think it's weird to pick on me when she didn't say the Pledge of Allegiance. Well, Mr. Matthews, it seems that you and Miss Lawrence have opposing positions for this morning's debate. Uh-oh. You've been set up, bud. <laughs> How apropos a Pledge of Allegiance protest. Yes. In 1993 now, I, and today. 
Yeah, I just okay. So I did some a deep dive just into the pledge because mm-hmm. I just don't want to get into the minutia of the protestings of pledges and and all these things. We're just we're just gonna talk about the pledge alone. I understand that there are people that have differing opinions about what this means for them, but we're just. We're not here for that, okay? <laughs> this is not that podcast. Go find another podcast to talk about it. But we're just I just want to make sure people know what it is and why in Pennsylvania we have to do it, okay? And in Ohio, I don't believe it's still done today, at least above the elementary level. In right. when I in 1993, yes, we still did the Pledge of Allegiance, at least through elementary and middle school. So Pledge of Allegiance, written in 1892 by Francis Bellamine. It's been adapted and changed over the years. I'm not going to get into every single one of them because it's like, add a line here, add a word here. Enough changes, but in... The 40s, we kind of nailed it, and we said, this is the one we're doing. As of what I was looking at, it said that all states except Nebraska, Hawaii, Vermont, and Wyoming, every single state is required in some way, shape, or form to have the pledge done in public schools and public events. Hmm. It could be that Ohio's law is every single kid up to middle school is required to do it. You know, who who knows exactly? But mm-hmm. I, I do think that private school, it is different. It's more of a voluntary thing where public school, it's at some point in the day you will do the pledge of allegiance yeah i know our our third grader and through the elementary they they start the day with it i don't believe our middle schooler and our high schooler i could be pretty sure our high school doesn't but yeah i remember being a senior in high school and doing it (laughs) to the degree of i'd stand there and not say it but i'd stand (laughs) so pennsylvania it is a requirement by law put into place in the 1949 act 14 uh, which required all public schools in pennsylvania to it has it has to have the option to do it no one is legally required to do it as an individual but the institution is required to do it so that's the key. The institution is required to have it happen. You as an individual, your freedom is you don't have to physically do it, which is why Topanga is allowed to not say it, even though she couldn't care less about the whole thing. <laughs> and Feeney definitely set this lesson up. Yeah. Now, I will tell you real quick, because I was curious about this is around the time I was curious about when Alan was born because mm-hmm. he was born in 1950, which means he has only lived in a world in Pennsylvania where he is required to say the pledge. Uh-huh. However, Mr. Feeney, who, as we established, was a kid in World War II, could potentially have not been forced to do it. However, the pledge has been around for such a long time that there's a chance that he could have been at a school that was already doing it. Just it wasn't mm-hmm. a requirement to. And also because of him coming up in such a patriotic time, there is a strong chance they did it regardless, just as a form of unity. Mm-hmm. So that's the pledge. We're not getting into protesting the pledge. We're not getting into <laughs> protesting flags or anything like that. This is not that kind of podcast. We're just not talking about it. It's, we're not taking a side. We're just not talking about it, okay? We love everybody. We're not getting into it. <laughs> so <laughs> my favorite part of this episode, though, is Corey is defending his position. And then 
I've got this on tape. Let's hear yeah, it. Yeah, do it. Just because it's a tradition doesn't mean you have to do it. But it's the Pledge of Allegiance. It takes like 10 seconds to say. Why can't you just say it and make everyone happy? Because if I'm forced to do it, just because it's some tradition I don't understand, then it doesn't make me happy. Can you spell peculiar? <laughs> oh, and you're normal? You talk to a flag every day and you don't even know what you're saying. But I do it. I do it because I'm supposed to do it. And that's what makes me a great American. <laughs> that's what makes this country great. That flag. Because that flag gives us the right to have this discussion. And this discussion is the most important discussion we will ever have. And I, I hear... This discussion is the most important discussion we will ever have. Out of here. <laughs> yeah, so so important, so patriotic, and oh, time's up. Man, he was into it. <laughs> and yeah. Sean, Sean I mean, on the uh, on the emotional tug there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just I will say as a quick aside. Anytime I've watched a political debate, you'll see people start getting into these type of, of speeches. And then they go, your time is up. And then they're like, oh, well, you you would have really get hurt if I had finished what I was going to say. <laughs> it's like, just stop it. I found it very interesting and, and very, uh, very still, still relevant. This debate between tradition and doing so because we always have and thinking for oneself rather than just doing out of rote tradition. And then you also throw in the idea of being motivated by doing or not doing based on feeling uh, good. And you've got this whole quagmire of a discussion where I see this happening every single day, multiple times, day in and day out. I don't know that we've learned anything from over the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. Well... If you think about it, there's always traditions and people that are going to hold to traditions no matter what. But then there's also people who tradition means nothing to them. And so it's a matter of, well, what's more important? Is it the person that really wants everyone to follow the same tradition or the person that's like, hey, I don't care about it? Well, if you we just talked about Christmas, you know, last week, you know, when you come together as a family, you have to figure out what your new traditions mm -hmm. are going to be. I and mean, it can be complicated, especially because if you're like, yeah, we, we really need to start these traditions. And then you realize, oh, those weird things we did that we keep doing because we think it's funny. That's the tradition. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that sticks with me there is just uh, the thing that's magnified for me lately is the motivation behind the the debate there where it's not choosing to do or not do based on whether it's tradition or not but based on whether or not it makes one feel good or feel something it's it's based on that sense of feeling rather than something more than just feeling and honestly feelings are not the always or rarely the most beneficial measuring stick to go by to base much of life on in fact there's something that there's very little in life you should make that your primary measuring stick for and you know this is a 22 minute episode of 
a TV show from 30 years ago that, you know, there's probably a lot more people watch than I might give credit for. But I see a lot of a lot of people today that still are choosing to do things based on whether or not it makes them feel good rather than what's the deeper meaning behind what I'm being given the opportunity to do here. And not that I'm arguing for we should all say the pledge or we should all not. Just any any decision, any routine, any tradition, any any choice, any major life decision. I, I just see a lot of people that are choosing to go down the path of, especially teenagers and children, which I'm not surprised by at all. I mean, I, I was rather emotionally driven myself when I was that age, but just to see that today, I mean, I'm, I'm 40 years old by the time this airs and you get a little bit more when you're almost Alan's age you get a little bit more introspective and that's enough navel gazing for me because Corey is definitely growing up and wants the weekend to himself <laughs> yes um, Corey doesn't get enough me time <laughs> and that's how he feels <laughs> so the bell rings and they're back in the uh, uh, lunchroom and they're just talking about how you know parishes don't get it you know weekends are for us like sixth graders <laughs> are <laughs> yeah now sixth graders not that we don't think that you have struggles and that you school is easy we don't think that <laughs> but your school is easy <laughs> I'm just uh, teasing you're all wonderful so Minkus comes over and Sean's got a nice little... Minkus, I'm sure that if you check your ticket stub, you'll see that your seat is in the goon section. <laughs> yes. Christmas was a one-time uh, thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yes, exactly. So they're just talking about, you know, what their weekend schedule looks like. And uh, Corey says something in interesting. And he says, I get up Saturday morning and I watch X-Men. <laughs> this is also at the point where... Sean's trying to figure out should he mess with Minkus's hamburger. Let let me let me pause you right there. Oh, please go ahead. I took all of Sean's comments during this this little play here. Oh, wonderful. Minkus please, has left the please. table. Well, Corey's having his thing. This is what Sean goes through. Minkus left his hamburger here. It's very hard for me to be alone with Minkus's hamburger, especially when it's just sitting there begging for more salt. I don't know if this is a personality disorder with me or what, but I'm just never happy unless I'm doing stuff like this. I don't mean just a little happy. I mean, I'll have this moment and know it was a good day. Sean may have been <laughs> onto something. It might be a personality disorder or something. <laughs> Yeah, I almost looked into it, and I just didn't want to for Sean. I was like, we're just going to leave this be. He's just a troubled young man. He just wants to mess with a hamburger. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So back to the point that I was going to make, and that is Corey is trying to say how busy of a Saturday he has. He's got to wake up, watch X-Men, go to the comic book store, and at some point he's going to hang out with him. This is back to his house for Saturday night pizza night. That's pretty full Saturday. Yeah. So... Do you happen to know, because at this point we're in 1994, do you happen to know what time X-Men aired at this time? Uh, if I remember right, it was probably not until around 10, maybe even 11 o'clock. 11. So he wakes up. The earliest he wakes up is just right before X-Men. So maybe 10, 1030, probably 1045. Oh, yeah, you got to sleep in after waking up early all week. Uh, 
and then go watch X-Men. <laughs> now, here are some of the notable shows that he is missing out on. <laughs> and I'm very firmly disappointed, at least in one of these for sure. So I'll go and uh, I'll tell you some of them and then I'll get to the one I'm most disappointed right. about. So I found at 8 a.m. Animadiacs was on. Oh, that's gold. Now, when I watched that, it was mostly in the afternoons. Mm-hmm. But still, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 930. Mm-hmm. Batman the Animated Series at mm-hmm. 9.30. And here's the kicker. And this is where I'm like, adults are writing this and they're not asking what are kids into. Because if they had asked the kids what they were into or other kids what they were into at that time in 1994, they would have said the Mighty Morphing Power Rangers, <laughs> which was on at 8.30. When I was a kid growing up, because I was born in 1992, clearly at this time I couldn't just wake up and watch it because I was too little. But when I can physically remember being old enough to watch the show, I would wake up and watch it every chance I got. It's morphin' time. But as a 12-year-old, Power Rangers would have been right up Corey's Avenue, and he would have been into it hardcore. And that would have been one of the things he would have been into. Yeah. And so it bothers me that they're like, that clearly the writers didn't know. And they probably wrote this even before everything went down as far as like powers coming out and becoming so big. Because it's it's literally right at the heart of the the boom and popularity of powering. So I was looking at it. And depending upon when they're saying this episode takes place... Maybe it took place before Christmas, most likely after. Maybe it's January. Maybe it's February, March, whenever. Whenever they're claiming this episode's taking place. I didn't hear of a father-son January uh, softball game in Philadelphia. Oh, you you want to get your Knickers even more in a twist. Remember, this aired December 17th. <laughs> no, I, I can't. I can't go there yet. I can't go there yet. Anywho... So, yeah, Power Rangers at this moment, at this time, was a ginormous deal. They probably couldn't afford to reference Power Rangers, even though it was ABC. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure they could. But, oh, sorry. The point that I was going to make is that at the time of airing, potentially, was after the first wave of the first season came through, where they're supposed to end the show, where the original show had ended, the Sentai, mm-hmm. which is the, the original Japanese show that Power Rangers is based on. And it's after, it's not until the springtime, like late February, when they start airing the episodes that followed, which is some episodes that would have been beforehand and after, and there's just 20 more episodes of Power Rangers, essentially, after what was supposed to be done. That's my slight Power Ranger nerdy deep dive for you (laughs) without writing anything down because that's my childhood. (laughs) Uh, So Minkus shows us that he truly is smarter than Sean. (laughs) Look, there's Stephen Hawking. (laughs) Darn, I just missed him. (laughs) So, uh, real quick, they mentioned Rescue 911 because they're talking about dads uh, getting her a guest shot on it. Yeah. Yes. So for those that don't know, Rescue 911 was a docudrama on CBS that ran from April 18th, 1998 until August 27th, 1996. I got a little something here that will enhance this for you. Oh, sure. This program contains true stories of rescues. 
All of the 911 calls you will hear are real. Whenever possible, the actual people involved have helped us reconstruct the events as they happened. Sometimes a decision made in an instant can drastically affect the lives of those around us. I'm William Shatner. Tonight, true stories of caring people who make a difference on Rescue 911. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> so that took away all the rest of the things I was going to say about that. Now, I'll keep going with your deep dive. I don't I have to put it all in there. <laughs> that, that there was a part of me that thought, oh, this show, because it only ran for a couple of seasons. I thought, oh, this is a precursor to cops. That's so cool. <laughs> so then I looked up, what did cops start? It started a month before uh, Rescue 911 started. So cops started airing March 11th, 1998, and it ran for 33 seasons. Yeah, it ran a whole lot longer. <laughs> yeah. Now, the other references made is by uh, Minkus. Because uh, he says, look, Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> now, as a sports fan, it's really easy. Shaquille O'Neal is a big name, right? And mm -hmm. so even non-basketball fans know who he is. He's just kind of this bigger than life pop culture type guy. So people know that he has won championships. You know, he's played for L.A. He's played for Orlando. You know, he's played for a bunch of different places. Dude, he even played for Cleveland. Yeah. That was a disaster. <laughs> but in 1993, 1994, Shaq was a big deal. It's his second mm -hmm. season in the NBA. He is playing for Orlando, which is his first team. So he's the center for the Orlando Magic. He averages 29.3 points a game, 13.2 rebounds, and 2.9 blocks in 81 games. He was selected to the All-Star Games, and he played in his first playoff series, and they lost, unfortunately, to the Pacers. I went to my Orlando Magic correspondent, and I just said, <laughs> quite bluntly, hey, Shaq, how'd you feel about him? And she said, I'm sorry, he or she, I'm not giving up uh, who, who this person was. Gender withheld said, uh, to protect the identity yes, of exactly. <laughs> innocent. Loved him when he was here. Uh, hated him when he left. Said he, he was a big fish in a little pond. And he still couldn't hit a free throw to save his life. Yeah. <laughs> big so fish I'm not in a giving small up my pond. source on who that was. <laughs> Just know it's a big uh, Orlando Magic fan. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. But then, you know, Sean says, hey, look, it's Stephen Hawking. And Minkus turns around and goes, where? And he'd already, he didn't move the burgers, so thus Sean himself moved the burgers, mm -hmm. switching them out. He takes a big bite and then gets a nice, sweet, sugary, mayo-y surprise. Yep. And they go, they say he's smarter than us because he is. <laughs> he is, isn't he? <laughs> Yeah. So, for those that don't know who Stephen Hawking is, he is a world-renowned theoretical physicist. He has won 
a bunch of awards throughout the years, too many to name. He is considered to have one of the smartest minds when it comes to science, uh, and he is a also a pop icon. Pop icon. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm saying things. he did. A, he did a guest shot on Star Trek: The Next Generation when I was a little older than yeah. Corey. So in 1994, he was born. In 1996, he was diagnosed with uh, ALS. Uh, so by the time that the 90s rolled around, he was already in the wheelchair and already not able to physically um, speak. Can you give us the dates of his his uh, birth there again? 1994? Or 19... Yeah. No, sorry, 1942. Okay. Did I say 94? Yes, you did. <laughs> I, I said it again. So I go, oh, you mean 1994? Yeah. That's, yeah. Sorry, that's the dyslexia kicking in. Okay. My apologies. Just wanted to make sure so we weren't giving out bad information to our listeners. Well, he was born the year, two years year after, after me, after actually. This, <laughs> the year after this episode aired? Uh, yes. Yes. So... <laughs> 1942 mm-hmm. he was born yes. <laughs> 63 diagnosed so he actually did the a bunch of specials where he talked about the power of speech and communication and and basically just tried to make it clear to the world of like just because i cannot physically or verbally speak does not mean that I cannot communicate. It does not mean I cannot still do stuff and I still cannot contribute to science. And, you know, they have a bunch of, sh- I watched a, a trailer of some of the stuff he was going to be doing and they showed him at like historical sites being cl- trying to make clear of like, I'm still going to go to the places I want to go. I'm still going to live the life I want to live. I'm still going to be a person. Mm-hmm. For most people, uh, they would take this as a sign of just, I'm going to give up and this is the rest of my life. And he was like, nope, I'm still going to be making headway and I'm still going to continue doing what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Good on him. Also, I will say his appearances on Big Bang Theory always made me laugh. And uh, so can't wait till we talk about Daz Me Big Bang. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> it all started with one. <laughs> a fart. That's right. A galactic Big yes. Bang. Come here and pull my finger, so, God said. Uh, to, to get us back on track. <laughs> uh, Can you believe Sean it? Eats the, Sean eats the bad hamburger. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> we, we then transition to the backyard where we see Alan is practicing his pitching uh, with a... Uh, uh, repelling uh, net. Yep. Uh, hits the target. It bounces back perfectly. Catches it. Throws it again. And the boys are just watching and just in dread. And who walks in and finds them talking about this? It's mom. <laughs> That's right. And actually, she was already in the room. They just didn't see oh. her when they walked in. I do have her. Uh, her little. Uh, conversation with them there these father-son softball games are not real exciting for you right right so you understand what we're saying i understand that neither one of you is willing to give up a couple of hours on a saturday for something your father's really looking forward to doing i'm really looking forward to my date with vicky tomorrow i mean now why do i have to give that up hey mom why don't you play yeah 
Look, if this was a, a husband-wife softball game, believe me, I'd be there. But it's not, thank God. It's a father-son game. Look, we're just asking you to get us off the hook. No. This is your hook, and you're going to hang on it like the worms you are. Worms. They are worms. <laughs> yes, I love how she describes them as worms basically the whole episode. <laughs> yes. But she's right. Alan has made it very clear if you have a concern, if you have a problem, you come talk to me about it. Mm-hmm. And neither one of them are willing to just sit down and say, I don't really want to play. And I think Alan would be able to talk to them and have a rational conversation, except that's not what happens. Of course not. This is a sitcom. Mm-hmm. So Corey and uh, Eric go upstairs and they're discussing, you know, hey, how are we going to get out of this? How are we going to get out of this? And eventually they both realize that uh, only one of them really needs to be there because it's a father-son Son game, not a father-son's game. game. That's right. And they start throwing shade at one another, trying to claim that, hey, if I'm there, and we're joking about stuff. What if I bring up, you know... That thing you did <laughs> with golf club and cars. Yeah, they both got dirt on each other. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, every sibling does. It renders this whole plan moot, so they're back to square one. Yeah, which just kind of leads to them both running downstairs screaming, Dad! <laughs> Whichever one of us has the best excuse wins. <laughs> Yes. So they're both trying to say, hey, I can't make it tomorrow. You know, me and Vicky are going uh, studying at the library. I have a radon test I have (laughs) have to take on my leg. Left leg tested for radon. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I think um, I'm going to go with Eric's excuse being the more legitimately believable one. Uh huh. Library closed on Sunday. Not anymore. They changed their hours. (laughs) <laughs> Alan says, hey guys, sorry, game got canceled, not enough interest. Yeah. And I, what I like about this scene, and as I'm watching it through the lens of being a dad, is he says the line and he gets out of that room as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. And as a dad, I can see that and go, oh, he just, he can't be in the room with his sons. Yeah, he's, he's hurting. Yeah, there's a there's a great sadness to the scene that you don't get to see because you're seeing it through Corey's eyes. But it's like, you know, as much as I go out of my way for these boys, as much as I try to tell them, you can always come to me. You can always talk to me. The fact that they're not willing to do that, you know, Mm -hmm. probably hurt him. Yeah. And on top of that, he's seeing that a big part of a big part of what he has built with both of his boys is beginning to crumble away a big a big tradition he has with them is on the verge of falling by the wayside mm-hmm. so Corey and eric are both off the hook and we skip the rest of the weekend and we go to school where they're uh sean and Corey are talking about their weekends and Corey says i slept in i watched tv i relaxed played video games and on sunday i took it easy ah the life of a sixth grader yeah. Well, then Topanga comes up and says, hey, I missed you at the game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And that's where we find out Topanga's dad owns the unicorn bookstore. Uh-huh. 
You know, <laughs> some Yale graduate just decided to open up a random bookstore in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know how those fourth-generation Yale graduates uh, do. Yeah. He graduated and cracked under the pressure. Probably. And that's when he decided to become a hippie and start making guitars. Could be. <laughs> so, anywho... Yeah, it's revealed that uh, Topanga was at the game and that things weren't going well until Leonard Spinelli, uh, the assistant manager, got hurt and thus had to go away in the ambulance. (laughs) I will say it does kind of bother me that Corey and Sean immediately make fun of her and go, oh, not on this planet. There was no game. And she was just like, yeah, yeah, there was. You weren't there. Yeah, it happened. This is reality, and you weren't there. So Corey realizes that uh, his dad lied to him, and thus he brings it up to his brother, and thus they bring it up to mother. And we have the whole conversation for you, dear listeners. Good job. Mom, this is bad. Look, there was a father-son softball game on Saturday. (gasps) Shocker. (laughs) You know? She knows. I don't get it. Why'd Dad tell us the game was canceled? Gee, guys, I'm not sure. Did you give him any indication that you didn't want to play? No way! No way! We were completely cool. Completely cool. He knew immediately. He knows everything. (laughs) Obviously, he picked up on the fact that you didn't want to play, and he's the one who let you off the hook. Worms. We're worms. We made our father feel bad. Mom, can you get us out of this, you know, for old time's sake? Mmm, can't. The fat lady has sung and gone home. She's in her kitchen eating cheesecake. (laughs) Come on, Mom. We made our father feel bad. Well, he's a big boy. I'll get over it. But hopefully you guys learn something for the next time. I have. I really have. Good. Then you get over it, too. Interesting conversation. They've... Amy allows them to admit that they made a mistake. She doesn't drag it out of them. She doesn't berate them for what they did. Mm-hmm. And she lets them know, you know what? It's it's over. It's done. There's nothing you can do to change what happened. Your dad's mm-hmm. gotten over it. And, you know, if you've learned from it, then, you know, you will too. Mm-hmm. Don't screw up again. I just love that. They're, she's just like, yeah, I, I learned from this. I learned. And it's like, well, good. Yeah. It's like, now get over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that it's, I like that they let them sit with the knowledge that they hurt their father. Mm-hmm. And it's a matter of what are they going to do with this knowledge? Yep. And they're letting them make the choice of what what am I going to do with what I've learned? Mm-hmm. Yes. So then Corey and Eric are just reflecting upon what has happened. And Corey starts feeling some pain. I don't feel so good. I have appendicitis. <laughs> but that's not where Corey's appendix is. I have a heartitis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, which then gets us probably to the weirdest scene in the whole episode. <laughs> we get to see Lenny Spinelli. The last time we'll see Leonard Spinelli. Oh, man. 21 gun salute to you, Uh-oh. sir. Leonard Spinelli. We'll see you. We'll see your face again, but not your character. Yes, very much so. I you know, I really wish the Leonard Spinelli would have stuck around a little bit longer. I think he was just a nice foil to 
uh, Allen. Yes, we, we it would have been nice to see him at least for one more season to pop in a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And here he's he's just the absolute worst liar. But I would mm. totally buy that he is in a sling because he got caught in a turtleneck that had shrunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and they're just they're going through all the stuff and they're reminiscing and then all of a sudden they get to pinto loaf. Lenny likes pimento loaf. Oh, before that, Lenny's they let Lenny know that they know that they know. Oh boy. Okay. Let's recap. Your father says there was no game, but knows there was one. You know there was a game, but you don't want your father to know you know. Well, let me ask you this. Don't you think he knows you know, he knows you know, you know, he knows you know, you know? (laughs) Okay, if you can follow that train of thought, you come over to my house, you do my taxes. (laughs) I think he's on painkillers, isn't he? (laughs) Yeah. Keeps reminding Uh, them of that. (laughs) So those that don't know a a, a pimento loaf is, it's a lunch meat containing uh, beef, pork, and uh, pickles and pimentos. It's actually quite tasty. I do like it. Good for you. (laughs) I will never try it. (laughs) Anything with pickles, I'm out. I I can't do it. (laughs) I remember a time where you wouldn't eat anything if it touched other food on your plate. No, that's still a thing. That's a that's a legitimate thing. <laughs> Don't even at me. I what I've what I've learned is okay. If I just take a little bit of my paper towel and I just kind of dabble a little bit, it keeps all the liquids away. It makes my life easier. Now, if it's something like if it's like a meat is on top of a meat, who cares? But if it's like corn, like rubbing into everything, ugh, can't do it. Uh, yeah, that's a legit thing, sir. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so anyway, Lenny uh, wants to be invited. That's why the pimento loaf's in there, right? Yeah, he decides. Vast that emotional he- damage. <laughs> Lenny suffers from vast emotional damage. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if that's why he stops coming around, because he has. Vast emotional damage. Could be. He, uh, I mean, he's got to introduce himself to everyone he meets, and Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe he just, maybe he found a counselor and finally found confidence and was able to uh, work through all of the vast emotional damage he was carrying in his life and no longer yep. had to be vast emotional damage him down <laughs> and had be, to figure well, out how many times he could work vast emotional damage into every conversation <laughs> well one has to wonder if Leonard Spinelli did get the medication he needed for his vast emotional damage <laughs> and once he did, he realized, oh, I deserve more money, and thus... Vast emotional damage. Um, thus was rejected, thus turned in his two-week notice, as Alan does in the future, and thus suffers even more. I'm feeling very perky. Sorry, it moved. Vast emotional damage. <laughs> Thank you. And thus, he leaves Philadelphia to go find a better place where he doesn't have to worry about people and... All of his vast emotional damage. 
Or he just moved across town and now he works at the uh, Unicorn Rainbow Bookstore as their assistant yep. manager. Or he just works at another part of the building, you know, over there. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, Lenny's. So, anywho, <laughs> we get to the next scene and you got Alan uh, grilling some burgers with his boys beside him. I mean, you think that Eric is old enough that he could have grilled the burgers himself. You'd think. I mean, I was grilling burgers at 14, so. Yeah, I was. I can't imagine why Eric couldn't. I was teaching my 13 year old how to cook stuff on the grill this summer, so. We get back into the whole macho thing of salad you should eat with a hand. Real men need a salad they can eat with their hands. Yes. <laughs> Salad's done. Um, <laughs> yes. So, yes. All about manly talk. Isn't this the best? And then you have Leonard Spinelli He's having this little downer. monologue <laughs> about his future family. <laughs> uh, Unless his wife divorces him. <laughs> I, I, I didn't clip it, but he's such a downer. <laughs> yes. He is. My kids hate me. Vast emotional damage. <laughs> because she poisoned them against me and I have to spend my entire weekly paycheck to support the blood-sucking leeches. Vast emotional damage. <laughs> uh, okay. So Yes, zero uh, confidence whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> He needs to go work for the Unicorn Rainbow yep. Bookstore. So, uh, Corey and Eric go inside, and they're discussing the fact that, hey, uh, things don't seem to be going better. Like, we don't feel better of what's happened. Yeah, I got a little bit of something there for it. He hates it. He doesn't hate it. He's having a nice time. Nice isn't good enough, Eric. Remember how psyched he was about the softball game? That was the time he wanted. He wanted one lousy softball game, and we didn't give it to him. Look, we gave him dinner. We gave him dinner. Which he's given us, what, only every night of our lives? We thought it would be such a big deal. I guess we should have just given him the game. Yeah. We should have just stepped up to the plate and said, I pledge allegiance to my dad and swung for that game-winning home run. Think that would have been better than tonight? Hey, you guys, come out and get some pimento loaf. I just noticed the expiration date. <laughs> oh, yeah, much better than tonight. I... I just love Eric trying to justify what's going on. We gave him dinner. We gave him dinner, which he's given us every night his whole life. <laughs> Our yeah. whole lives. Yeah. I mean, it's a nice idea at first, but again, he's out there cooking dinner himself. <laughs> and you're right. just standing by him and watching. Right. Yeah. It, it would be different if Eric had cooked it. And it was waiting for them, him, the moment they yeah. got there. And, and you guys invited Debbie Downer to go sit outside and watch you. Yeah, that, that too. They allowed for probably the one person Alan didn't want to see after work. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, I really like uh, what we hear from Corey the next day in class. We get into uh, class the next day. And Topanga's like, hey, I think I don't want to say the pledge, but also I don't want to wear shoes. We who sit behind you object. <laughs> wow, I did not think that was going to happen. Uh, that was perfect. Uh, <laughs> uh, Corey then says, I, uh, I think I can defend my actual position for real this time. And I do have his thoughts here. 
And you've changed your position? No, I haven't, but I can argue better now. Really? Well, then, the floor is yours. At first, I thought we should just say it because it was a tradition and it's a flag. But now I think it's dumb to do something and not know why you do it. And uh, what conclusion has that led you to? That if there's something you care about, like the country you live in or the father you have, then allegiance, which means now loyalty or devotion to a government or a group or a person. Allegiance is something you should show. So then you believe that you should respect the traditions of that government or group or person? Yeah, I should have. Or teacher? Or teacher. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love the look on Mr. Feeney's face when Corey starts reading the definition of allegiance that he pulls out of his pocket. Mm-hmm. Just that. He, he goes from that look of... What's he, what's going on here? Too he got it. Well, that's the thing is that it's not that Feeney was really doing a lot this episode to get Corey the answer. Mm-hmm. In in Feeney's mind, Corey went home. He thought about his position, and thus um, came prepared to talk about it. Uh, Outside of the debate in class, Feeney really had very little, if nothing, to do with Corey, uh, with teaching Corey this lesson. I mean, uh, Feeney's parameters were merely the debate in class. So Uh this is Corey actually taking something that he learned outside of the classroom setting and applying it into class. And then we uh, move back. Oh. Before we forget, uh, I do love the fact that Feeney was like, hey, what about teachers? Teachers' authority. Do we, you know, pledge our allegiance to them? Mm-hmm. And then Corey comes back and says, yeah, even teachers. <laughs> yeah. But then we get a bit of uh, Alan's nighttime routine as he's kind of locking things up. He's checking over stuff, turning off lights. Uh, now, Brett... Um, I was going to ask you what your nighttime routine looks like. I just, I'm curious. Do you spend half of your time just double checking to make sure people actually just turn the lights off that they're supposed to? I do. (laughs) I I turn lights off. I make sure doors are shut and locked. I let the dogs out one last time. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Make sure things are, are closed up and locked and in the order they should be in, yeah. What about you? Yep. Oh, yeah. I go through. I check every single door. I check. I don't check windows or anything like that. Just it all depends upon what's going on. But, um, you know, like I try to make sure like we have at least a light on downstairs. So that way, if the dog decides to wander downstairs, he can see if the cat can see because he has food out, you know, so mm-hmm. make sure he's able to see that stuff. Um, but yeah, just for the most part, I just double check over everything and. Oh, uh, the wife looks at me and goes, oh, my gosh, did we lock the door? I go, yeah, we locked the door. <laughs> <laughs> there have been. A, oh, sometimes I have to check and make sure the kids put dinner away. I've had to do that a few times. Uh-huh. And there's even once or twice where I've come up and found out that they didn't turn the burner on the stove off. The 
the fire had b- blown out, but there was mm-hmm. still uh, <laughs> the gas leaking out. There was still gas being uh, put out from the burner, so that was an interesting uh-huh. evening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I feel like because I, because we have a young family, so I'm the one that's always up the latest. There's less that I have to worry about after I go to bed. But I would imagine with actually having teenagers at home, it means that <laughs> you check things, but ultimately you know that, hey, something's going to be on all night that I don't want to be on all night, but hopefully they'll <laughs> get it. Well, at this point, they're still asleep before I get upstairs, so. Well, that's good. Yeah. I just know as a teenager, I was always up super late, so. <laughs> They're still young enough that they have to get up early enough in the morning that mm. late nights are not something that happens during the week. I'm just more of a rebel than they were, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anywho, uh, Alan's kind of cleaning stuff off, locking, checking the doors, and then all of a sudden, uh, Corey and Eric walk in, and they say, hey, uh, we want to make up to you what had happened. He goes, hey, guys, you threw me a barbecue. We're even. And they're like, no, you buck tradition. <laughs> so, like, I love, let's blame it's, it's, you. <laughs> it's clearly in, uh, you know, it's not like them really blaming, blaming him. They're trying to have fun with this moment. But yeah. they're just like, hey. We're supposed to not want to do this, and you're supposed to make us. You didn't make us. You buck tradition. That's right. The authority stops with you. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, though, in some way, shape, or form, they're not wrong. Because if my understanding of what it means to be a dad is you just take the blame for everything because someone has to be wrong and it might as well just be you. (laughs) Yeah, I've been there. (laughs) Yeah, Somebody left the TV on all night. Well, clearly it was me, even though I was not the last one watching the TV, but clearly it was I. (laughs) Yeah, someone lost the TV remote, even though I haven't touched it in three days, and I was not the one watching YouTube on the TV. It was me. Uh So the boys tell him, hey, uh, we want to try this again at the father-son game since you couldn't finish the game. And so let's take it to them. Alan agrees to see if uh, the Rainbow Unicorn bookstore would be willing to play again. And it turns out, yeah. I think the fact that they're willing to... And it's just the simple fact of giving up some of their time for what they want to do and instead are just willing to give that over to Alan and spending time with him. That's all he wanted. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about the actual activity. What he cares about is just the time they get to have. I agree. And we find out in the tag, boys come in, carnivores 36, Brussels sprouts 9. I've been <laughs> Alan hobbling through that door. <laughs> Sometimes because of a sports game. Sometimes because I just went on a weekend trip and hiked up and down the equivalent of 20 stories without stretching properly. Mm-hmm. I've been Alan. <laughs> Can you believe it? <laughs> but I like that they're sitting down and uh, the boys are like, yeah, that was great. But hey, the bookstore wants a rematch next weekend. What do you say? Best two out of three. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's nice. 
that. Isn't that nice? Well, that's nice. Uh, you know when they say nice three times, it's not. Mm-hmm. Well, you can just clearly see that Alan is exhausted. He is tired. Mm-hmm. He is worn down. And he is regretting choices he's made. <laughs> Yes, mistakes were made. <laughs> yes. He This program contains true stories. Is going to wind up on an episode of the 911 calls you of rescue. Well, Brett, this has been uh, an episode of Boy Meets World. That it has been. <laughs> what uh what did you learn this week, Brett? Well, I was reminded, not necessarily so much through Mr. Feeney, but through the Matthewses, about traditions and how they're important. Mm -hmm. It's also important to know when traditions should change, should stop, or when we should take the time to understand them in greater depth. Yeah. What did you learn, Tyler? Uh, I think what I learned is, is... I know it's meant in jest, but I do take to heart of part of a father's job is that if you want to spend time with your kids and you want to have a moment with with them, you got to make it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to choose to go find and hang out with friends, hang out with girls, watch, you know, Saturday morning cartoons and do nothing. But, you know, if you want that time, you want those moments, you got to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, um, you could be dealing with vast emotional damage. Exactly. And they could be dealing with vast emotional damage. We don't mm-hmm. want that. So I already know my son's got to go to therapy for something I did to him, but uh, it's not going to be because of vast emotional oh. damage. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was like, got to hit that one more time. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Uh, well, what uh, what type of a grade would you give this episode, Brett? I gave this one a B minus. Thought that uh, the story and the, the heart behind it was good. Felt a little too much like a sitcom at times where the characters were uh, a little bit too jokey for their own good. But mm-hmm. uh, but in the end, uh, I liked the way that Alan and Amy chose to parent, allowing the boys yep. to work through their own uh, issues and their own choices. And uh, yeah. I like how they all came to the re- to the conclusion together. What uh, what grade do you give the episode? Uh, I'm gonna go with a solid. B. As much as it annoys me about the weather situation because there's no clear (laughs) indication of what month we're in and what season we're in because who cares. So that annoys me and also all the stuff about this softball game and Corey not wanting to play even though all he wants to do is be a center fielder for the Phillies. I spent so much time doing research on that. Other than that... (laughs) This was a really good episode. I loved the lesson. I loved the struggle that both the Matthews brothers go on together to figure out how to move forward. So this is a solid episode. Mm, Indeed. Brad, before I get to the dad joke and end this sucker, uh, do we want to give a little information about next week's episode? Yes, we do. It's going to be a very special episode. We're going to have extra 
hosts. It's not just going to be Dad's Meat World. Yeah. Should we give a little uh, hint of who or whom may uh, appear? I think we might have some moms meeting the world with us. Oh, yes, I think uh, is, it is firm time that we have some, some moms give some opinions. And boy, do they have some hot takes uh, on this next episode. <laughs> That's right. We're going to be looking at Once in Love with Amy, uh, an episode that explores the... Uh, the need to keep romance alive when you've got a teenager and a, a soon-to-be teenager and a young child at home. And we felt it was important to, uh, to grab more than just our perspective. So we've got mm-hmm. some mom perspective coming your way next week. Yeah, we do. I'm real excited. This is this is one of those things that we uh, because we pull the curtain back a little bit more. You know, we recorded this a little while ago, even from when we're recording this one right now. So we we've had the overall recording in the can for a little bit, but it was such a fun time. We had so many laughs. It took forever to get it recorded because <laughs> we had children running around upstairs. Um, <laughs> And at oh, some yes. point, I'm sure we'll share stories of what occurred. But just I'm so excited uh, next week for you to listen to it. Uh, so please come back next week. And uh, yeah, it'll be a good time. Indeed. Yeah, I've got some uh, some fun couple of behind the scenes shots that we'll share with next yeah. week's episode. No, so Tyler, you do have a, a bit of a dad joke for me, don't you? I do. All right. So, why do fathers take an extra pair of socks with them when they go golfing? (laughs) Now, this one I know. (laughs) Well, in case you don't know, uh, in case they get a hole in one. (laughs) (laughs) And this has been uh, an episode of Dad's Meat World father-son games. Brett, uh, they can find us on social medias, right? If they use uh, Dad's Meat World. And we also got a Gmail account. So, That's right. Uh, they can they can send us uh, some reviews. They can send us some questions. And they can just chat with us in general. But outside of that, Brett, where can we find you? I am online at Twitter, on the Instagram, Yes, definite article Instagram, the Instagram, at (laughs) Dr. Headley Art. Tyler, where can we find you online? Oh, people can find me on Twitter at uh, Tyler Volk. Uh, I always want to chat with people there. But, uh, yeah, if you have a review for us, if you want to give us some grades, feel free to. And uh, we can't uh, wait to hear from you next time. So until then, see you good-looking. See you, good looking. You can find Dad's Meat World on Facebook, Twitter, and probably a few other places just by searching for Dad's Meat World. Dad's Meat World is a production of Headfirst Studios. Headfirst Studios, tell your story.